97 Octane Hockey Tonight, <laughs> where we talk about all things hockey and the Edmonton Oilers. Tonight I have my, a very special guest with us, my dear friend, the man who is responsible for heavy hockey to exist, um, and special human being, the one and only Mr. Michael Hebert. Michael is a hockey analyst, podcaster uh, on Oilers Live, a hockey writer, um, and a general awesome human being i am happy to know his sphere of influence is massive in oilers media <laughs> um michael thank you for joining us tonight so i'm just curious is there another michael that's joining us here at some point <laughs> <laughs> it's all you my man <laughs> yeah, that's about that's about 50 percent uh... accurate but uh... <laughs> is it safe to call you the, the, the godfather i think we should go to god yeah, that's about fifty percent accurate. The analyst part's a little bit of a stretch. Writer is definitely a stretch, but <laughs> I, I can put some words on a computer. Not too bad. Angels Once wondering. In in the, Angels already wondering <laughs> in the chats if you're related to the Gee Bear. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and he spelt it wrong too. He spelt it wrong, Angel. Oh boy, oh boy. As as the guys at heavy hockey know, that's. Uh, that's one way to really get under my skin, which they'll do on purpose on occasion just to do it. <laughs> but I would venture, I would venture to say though that if uh, if he, he bear isn't related to you, I bet you he name drops you anyway just for his own status. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Gee, Gee, has been known to do that once or twice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Angel. Good to see you, Angel. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Dursa. I'm, of course, uh, happy to be on with uh, the two of you. I, I uh, won't take the slight that Chad's not here personally, but, um, <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. He he only comes on for the big names. That's all right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, quite the slight. Um, what are your thoughts on the offseason so far? Oh, Man, I mean, uh, you know, it's the Oilers didn't have much room to do uh, much of anything. But, you know, we talked about it last night on Oilers Live. And and even though, you know, the the size of this year's cap hit wasn't high, it was still a pretty good splash that the Oilers made. And, you know, for what Ken Holland had in front of him, I think he's done a good job. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think that um, we could have expected much otherwise, right? Like there wasn't a lot of things to do to get Yamo out the door and, and clean, knowing they weren't going to sign with the Oilers and, and, you know, getting that cap space that's much needed. There's still, but look, it's not done yet. You know, I, I, I left the show yesterday thinking about it and we, you know, we kind of were talking about how I th the team's at least better than they were at the start of last season, but it's not done yet. So, um, you know, as fans, we sit and we watch and we wait and we watch, but until Bouchard signed, until McLeod is signed, um, can we be happy or sad yet? I'd, I don't think so. I mean, we have no idea what the team looks like 
at that point what the cap looks like, what everything looks like until those two get signed. Is it a bit of a failure if um, Bouchard's only signed for one year? I don't know. I mean, I I haven't really thought that far ahead, but <laughs> you know one year is going to be just mean we owe him the world the next year if the power plays anything like it was this past year and he's on there full time. Uh, well, he probably, he probably earns that now, or he probably warrants that now, to be honest. Like he, I think he had a good enough season where he could earn the big bucks. He's going to have to, you know, if he wants to stay with the others, he's going to have to take one of these little bridge deals here. Like right, right now we only got 5.6 mil to use up between the two of them. And those are two pretty big signings that we need to sign. Scary. Right, so, so like it's not a lot of money. So today, McLeod uh, filed for arbitration. Does that scare you at all, or or uh, just kind of the nature of the beast? Yeah, you know, uh, thanks for filling me <laughs> in. I I, uh, I actually didn't. Um, I I wasn't paying much attention today. I had some other things to worry about, but um, but yeah, that um, I mean, you had to know it was going to happen, right? Uh, it's not ideal. Uh, but uh, look, McLeod's probably you know worth what we can pay him, uh, what we or what he's asking for, you know. And and uh, if he was on the open market, then yeah, he, he's probably worth that. Yeah, it scares me a bit. But look, that yeah, I keep thinking back to uh, actually something that Dash said on the on the show last night when he was kind of making comparables to our starting lineup from last year. Like it's not even, it's not even close. Like this team's way better. You could arguably take McLeod out of the equation and this team's better than the starting lineup last year. Now, is that ideal? No. Right. But with the, with the top six that this team has, you know, you're just trying to slot pieces in, on the bottom six that don't get you kicked out of the playoff run. Right. Um, Holland's actually proven, I think, and feel free to tell me, I think I'm wrong. We know angel will, if, <laughs> if, he's, if he's, if he's touched in here, but um, I think Holland has proven himself to be able to get those pieces at low dollar value. Uh, like, you know, people, aren't giving him enough credit for finding Costin last year, right? Maybe they are. Like that's a lie. People people have realized that Holland did that and he did a good job at it. I think he's capable of that. And I think a guy like Holland when he's got the top 6 that the Oilers have is the ideal GM to have. He's got a, he's got an eye or he's listening to the right people maybe. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Listening to the right people, maybe his kid, maybe Steve Steos, who knows, but so, yeah, it concerns me. Long story short, it concerns me that McLeod filed for arbitration. Is it the end of the world? Uh, I don't think so. I think this team's going places this year, you know, with or without a, a McLeod contract. Well, hopefully he gets a contract and he's, he's still an Edmonton Oiler. But, uh, you know, did Bouchard probably had arbitration rights too, and he didn't file. So to me, that says maybe they're they're closer with Bush than than they are with McLeod. Am I wrong there? Uh, but I I think he's got arb rights. Uh, Bouchard. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think he does. Not this year. I don't think he did. No, I don't no. think he did. Okay. No. <laughs> um, I think it's just part of the process. I think, right? Like you saw that there's like so many NHLers that are up for arbitration, so they all filed today. This is kind of like a deadline day. To be honest, I'd be kind of surprised if, if it actually goes. Yeah, Bouchard doesn't. Okay. Just yeah, Bouchard does not have arbitration rights. On my OBS, I need to have a natural or um, cap friendly or something as, as uh, one of my browser docs here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it never hurts. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I always hop on Puckpedia. Uh, our good friend Hart has done a good job of putting all the um, access to that in a pretty good way. But, you know, whatever. He, yeah, Bouchard doesn't have our rights. Um you know, McLeod obviously did. He was the only only one that's remaining, right, out of um, all of the players that were uh, RFAs this year that had Arb rights. And, um, yeah, it would be interesting. I, I mean, what do you think he's worth? He's probably worth two and a half, three mil, two and a half maybe. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is McLeod's a multipurpose player, yeah. right? Like he um, – you know where he's needed he can you know he can go up and down the lineup he's he was almost a half point a game player last year right yeah um yeah. you know that's uh it's not bad and defensively he's pretty solid and if we're going to you know be critical a little bit of of Woodcroft i think uh usage of of McLeod was he underutilized what he had there um and hopefully over the course of the summer, he's learned that he can he can put him out there in, in key situations. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and Bob, you've played with a lot of coaches too. You you probably could talk about this. I, I like the goalie's viewpoint quite often of this because you, you can see, you I mean, you see what's going on on the ice from a different view. But coaches always have some favorites. Like, you know, every coach is guilty of that. And um Woodcroft's guilty, just like anybody. Did he underutilize uh, McLeod? I mean, yeah, the it, it, like Wood guy put out an article on his blog. I don't know if you read that. You know, suggesting that if McLeod had been utilized differently, potential for us to beat Vegas with the matchups against Eichel. I mean, that's stats stuff, right? I mean, stats tells you the story after the fact. Who knows, right? Like, you know, I talked about it last night. You know, the, um, you know, I, I think Lotsy brought up puck luck. And, and I always, you know, the, the key is, you know, whoever's got the puck luck wins the games, right? And the stats don't point that out. They do after the fact. Like, you know, I think Woodguy pointed out the PDO for for Vegas was off the charts, right? Like they were on a heater, right? And um, that's essentially puck luck, right? It's not, you know, sometimes it just goes. March so just couldn't seem to not, like the puck just seemed to hit his stick. <laughs> like you, could, you could have banked it off of him if he was on the blue line and it would find a way in the net. I mean, that you, sometimes you're not going to win those games, whether you play McLeod differently or not. I mean, you got McDavid and Drysaddle. Tell me a coach that's not going to play them as much as, yeah. like, especially with the legs those guys have. They just don't seem to get tired. 
if you're going to make an argument that McLeod was underutilized, uh, you could probably make that argument for anybody uh, outside of the of the top six, for that matter. Uh, I actually thought that uh, Woodcroft exposed to the league and to us as fans, uh, he exposed McLeod's uh, defensive game, showed that he had defensive prowess. Like he was mm-hmm. a penalty killer in Bakersfield. Uh, nobody really knew that up here. Woody knew that, so he threw him in the penalty killing. He's very effective there. So I think it's uh, anybody, anybody in the bottom six could uh, make an argument they were underutilized. I don't. I definitely don't think that was the, the difference maker in in us losing to Vegas at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm the the argument you know, for anybody who wants to look. You know, probably you could search Wood Guy McLeod and Vegas on Google, and you'd probably find his his blog posting but you know the the argument was based on stats right and uh it's a solid argument but at the same time i mean unless you've actually played the game that's all it is it's an argument i don't think you know i don't and even in his let's be fair to wood guy in his headline he says you know he doesn't say it would have changed the series it says it could have we don't you won't you don't know uh, do I think it would have? I don't. I don't think so. Could he? Could Woodcroft play McLeod a little bit differently? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, sometimes guys just play well together, like that. Um, you know, when Fogel and McLeod were playing together uh, there for a little while, like they just seemed to really click. Um, and then you know, but who, who would have? Uh, who would have thought that Yamamoto, Drysaitel, and Nugent Hopkins would dry up? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, exactly. I mean, as far as I was concerned, that line was going to take us to the Stanley Cup the following year, right? And at one point, I I said, of course, if you you know anybody watches my show, <laughs> all all ten of you, um, <laughs> you um, you know you probably seen me say a number of different things that always you know turn out to be absolutely not uh, not true i didn't think yamamoto would even make the nhl let alone play as many games as he played so uh, i didn't I, he, the the player that he became i thought that's who he was initially um so yeah so all of that in this argument is um could mcleod have been played differently yeah probably but you got connor and you've got Leon and you know look at the top six right who do you take ice away from and knock that top six to utilize McLeod more yeah yeah that's just it right and I thought Derek Ryan honestly in the playoffs was more noticeable than McLeod not that McLeod wasn't noticeable just I thought Derek Ryan was a was a hoss he was (laughs) Angel says I watch your show I know. Well, there's nine other people that do too, Angel. So I gotta spread the love. <laughs> well, I, I watched it three times. There's five other people. In. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The same clip where I said, "Bob, that's really great things you're saying." <laughs> <laughs> it's my ringtone. Bob, Bob's show has got three extra views for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think you make a good point about uh, Derek Ryan. I think. I think his playoff performance, well, actually, his uh, probably his last half of the season into the playoff performance is probably why he ended up getting another contract here uh, for the next couple of seasons because he did probably outperform his own capabilities to some extent. 
Yeah, I mean, and he's every day of the year he's worth nine hundred grand, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, so you sign him for two years. The challenge, right? And and Holland has talked about this. Is you know, the, if if the fans want something and they keep screaming about it and they say spend, 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 you know, that's that's to say that Derek Ryan, you know, like a lot of fans think. Well, I would only pay eight hundred thousand for Derek Ryan, and I'd only do it for one year. Well, Derek Ryan and his agent have a different idea of what it, <laughs> you know, what it takes for him to play in Edmonton, and it doesn't necessarily align with what we think. And um, you know, are we, you know, are we better off without Derek Ryan at nine hundred thousand for two years? I don't think so. I think we're better off with him for this year and then decide what you're going to do with that 900,000 next year. Guys are the, some of the contracts being bought out this year and we're worried about 4 million that includes yeah. bonuses and an extra year for Derek Ryan. <laughs> like OEL, right? Like let's talk about some of these buyouts that are going on right now. Um, there's some huge, huge buyouts in the league, right? Well, the biggest, I mean, that OEL buyout was the biggest ever, right? Am I wrong? Wow. I did not see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) And we're, you know, we're saying, you know, he spent an extra $4 million on a cap next year. We're worried about that when, what's everybody want this year? They want to win the cup. In fact, people were saying last year he had to win the cup or else, but I didn't. Yeah, I don't necessarily. I didn't buy into that. Well, I still don't buy into that. But that's uh, I, I don't even buy into that for then for this year. But uh, it should it should be like we have a good a chance as any, if not better chance than we had last year. At this point, I agree with you, Michael. In the fact that I do think we are stronger to start this year than than we were to start last year. And if Connor Brown is our biggest free agent pickup, I'm very happy with that because you have to factor in as well that we're getting full seasons now from Eckholm. We're getting full seasons now from Kane, barring injuries, obviously, right? We're getting a full season from Myanmar. We're getting hopefully a full season from Holloway. Like these are all additions already that that are uh, improving our team to start the season. Well, and and let's you know, <laughs> Angels probably Angels never going to watch my show again, but <laughs> because I'm about to say something that. Probably won't sit well with him, <laughs> but but I mean, in the West there are some teams, and Angel <laughs> probably knows who I'm talking about that I think got worse. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. I mean, he probably completely hundred percent disagrees with me, and and that's his right. But you know, there are teams that I think made some strange trades, and so you know, Vegas will be Vegas, I think, for another year at least. Uh, there'll be the stiff competition for the Oilers. Oilers finished two points behind them yeah. last year. Have they made the change enough to, you know, uh, bridge that gap? I don't, I don't know. We'll see what the regular season brings. They didn't have Ekholm for the full season, as you said. Los Angeles, I, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, isn't going to be as tough in the regular season as they were this past season. And we know Calgary, like, <laughs> barring some miracle, Calgary's going for uh, a lottery pick 
right? You know, if that's if everybody even shows up on <laughs> camp day, right? Like <laughs> they don't stage a walkout. And Seattle, I, I think Seattle overplayed last year. I, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe a lot of people disagree with me, but I don't think Seattle is still in the conversation, right? Like they're, you know, I don't, I, I think that they'll be a playoff team again, but I still think they're a year away. Um, so if I look at the Pacific, it's a, it's another race between uh, Vegas and Edmonton, and. Um, you know, we'll see what that brings, right? Hopefully the Oilers, the only thing I ever hoped for in the regular season is that at the deadline, you're a buyer and not a seller, yep. right? Exactly. That you're in a solid enough position that you can make changes to your roster that affect the outcome of the playoffs, right? Um, and that's, and I think, you know, I think if you play to that, you obviously you want to win your division. You want your home games. You want all of that, but just make it so that there's no question about where you're, you know, what what side of the line you're finishing at at the end of regular season, right? I got I got the notion last night from uh, your show that the majority of the cast of characters you had on with you kind of is thinking that Connor Brown is going to be a bottom six player. Is that what you think, or or you think he's going to be uh, kind of given that opportunity in the top six and and kind of see what happens from from there? Yeah, I mean, not understanding what I mean, we'll never know what he's been, what he was offered to play anywhere else. But you got to figure that part of the conversation for him to come and play for a bonus laden contract, right? That's not a guarantee. Right, because there's no guarantee that he makes ten games. It's still a risk, mm-hmm. right? He's coming off a knee injury. It's a small risk, but it's still a risk. And I would suspect that somebody offered him three million. Right, somebody had to have offered Connor Brown, who was a point six uh, point per player, um, you know, with the an awful Senators team. Somebody had to have offered him three million, but I think that part of the part of the package is bonus laden, and then it's time with McDavid, right? You know that's why that's why he he comes over. That's why you get the commentary that he gives you. That that's why you know. And so, I my my suspicion would be that he's expecting to play in the top six. They'll give him that shot. And um, I thought, you know what, if he plays anything like he's capable of, then he'll, you know, he, he'll make a, a good argument to keep him there. I mean, <laughs> we kept Yamamoto in the top six, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Pooley yeah. Irvy for a long time. And Pooley yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this Oilers team is anything but, like, charitable to some players in the top <laughs> six, right? Yeah. So I mean McDavid and Drysaddle will get their points. Doesn't doesn't matter who's on with them. But um, yeah, if, if um, you know, the dream is you find the right guys for McDavid and the right guys for Drysaddle, and you get something like that Nugent, Hopkins, Yamamoto, Drysaddle line that seemingly could score at will for a period of time. Um, and if you find that 
if you find that same type of line for McDavid, which could very well be a Connor Brown who had some chemistry with him in junior hockey, and watch out, the league will start crying. I, I gotta, <laughs> you know, before... you think you think McDavid's not getting penalties now? Yeah. Wait till a line like that forms. They're, they'll they'll be they'll be water skiing off of them, and they won't be calling it because it just be unfair, <laughs> right? I want to ask you about our, our new acquisitions, but before I do, I want to play a funny clip. Uh, you'll remember from the eighties before I get into the first guy that we picked <laughs> up on uh, free agency uh, frenzy on the first, just one sec. All right. Doc, my only hope. Marty, I'm sorry, but the only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. Unfortunately, you never know when or where it's ever going to strike. We do now. This is it. This is the answer. It says here... That a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right, Saturday's good. Yeah, so the Oilers picked up Drake Kajula to start uh, to start uh, free agency free agency frenzy on a two year deal. Uh, so, what do you think about uh, the Drake coming back to Edmonton? No, oh, man. I mean, you know, I, look, I loved him. Was sorry to see him go, but he's not the same player, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you, you gotta love players like Kajula, right? Like, these are guys that the NHL didn't come easy to, right? Like, they had to work to get their spot and continued to work. In fact, he didn't play in the AHL until he uh, hit Pittsburgh, right? Like, he was um, – that was his first go-round in, in the minors. And, then of course, he's stuck there. <laughs> but, but he did really well. I mean, he had, what, 50 points in 60-some games in, in the AHL for Wilkes-Barre? Um, he's he's going to be a AHLer again, by the sounds of it. I think, and just the way it looks, he's he's more than capable, though, of um, of uh, coming up and playing minutes when you need him. And hard to believe that he's a vet now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but he is. He's he's like the uh, the kid that came back a man, right? And so, you know, we'll um. I'm just happy. I'm 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 always happy for guys that come back. I think it says something about the team, right? Like if you ever left a job, you know the only the good jobs that you left were you ever willing to go back to, right? Uh, and a franchise is got to be the same thing, right? I mean, I've never played in the NHL, but I I couldn't imagine, you know, there's a lot of guys that you know left franchises they hated and then said yeah i'll sign there especially to close off right like he's got to go to 
to Bakersfield. I don't know if you guys know where Bakersfield is, <laughs> but, but it's, it's not, it is not the, it's not San Diego. I'll just tell you that, <laughs> right? Like, like it's, um, and my apologies to the folks from Bakersfield, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's stuff in the sand there and there's, you know, there's some, uh, you know, there's uh, a lot going on down there. Um, so, Hey, I like, I like it because it means some other things, maybe some intangibles that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. Oilers always get uh, shit on as, um, you know, an awful place to play, but the Drake's back. So can't be that bad. <laughs> you, you talk yeah. about players wanting to come back here. What do you think about Bukestad wanting to go back to Arizona? Does he have like a handshake deal with Holland to come back here in March or what's going on? <laughs> You know, I, I I often wonder, right? Like, if you're a guy that's played in Arizona, and you don't, you know, and I don't know, uh, <laughs> I don't. Sorry, I'm reading Angels Mark Tweakersfield. It's called. Uh, we're by the way, everybody in Bakersfield, when if they ever get a hold of this podcast, <laughs> Mike, you've lost, you've lost thousands of listeners. Um, oh. Yeah, I I think about guys that go and play in Arizona. If they start, say, start their career there or they've played any significant amount of time, um, you know, it's a gorgeous place to be, right? Like being in Phoenix. Uh, I don't think every player longs for the rigors of being in a Canadian city. Like, I, I think that's, you know, those of us that grew up here and dreamt of playing for our home city or wore Maple Leafs pajamas or Oilers pajamas <laughs> and and wanted to be in the limelight. Yeah, there's no freaking way that we'd ever go and play in Arizona. But, I you know, who knows what the motivation is for Bugstad, but that could be part of it, right? Like, playing in Edmonton, there's there aren't many... <laughs> There aren't many fan bases that are as crazy and passionate, you know, and crazy <laughs> twice because it's true than Oilers fans, right? Like, you know, I've been on the road to watch the Oilers at a number of different arenas, and they're there, right? The fans are there. They're watching the Oilers wherever they play. You don't get a break. If you're Connor McDavid, as you know, and you're out for dinner with your folks, People are going to talk to you and tell you stuff. Uh, if you're Bugstad, you're going to get the same treatment, right? In fact, people will probably be even more honest with you when you sucked for a game than the superstars. So, hey, maybe that's part of his motivation. Maybe it's purely money. But I wouldn't. I just wouldn't discount the fact that some guys just want to sit in the in the shade of an Arizona summer without anybody bugging them, right? I have to agree with you 100% there because I know of guys who played in the Canadian market and in the American market, and there's a lot to be said for playing under some sort of an anonymity in, in the States. Like, if you play in a Canadian market, you're under the microscope, like you said, uh, both on and off the ice. Um, like, we want to know what you have for breakfast. Like, every, like, like we're obsessed with our with our hockey team, right? We want to know what brand underwear you wear. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. But you can go, you go play in Florida – and they'll cheer you all. They'll they'll cheer you as hard as they can in the stadium in the arena. And then once that's done, it's like you probably cross them in the uh, pass them in the street. You wouldn't even know you just walked by. 
Not where oh, the yeah, you'd probably pass them in the arena and they wouldn't know who you walked by, right? <laughs> Unless yeah. they're wearing their jersey, that's the, only, that's the only way of identification. So there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot less pressure with it. Like a lot of guys will have career years in these markets because they uh, they don't have that kind of pressure. Not the confusing part for me about Bukestad was like he actually kind of got dicked around a bit in Arizona, didn't he? But before they got traded, like they didn't he go down and play in the third line for a while and was benched for a while and what have you. So that part kind of confused me why he went back to Arizona, and maybe that was a money factor. I'm not sure. Yeah. Lifestyle yeah. might have had a house there and. You know, comfort and, and all that. Um, <laughs> but you might not be wrong either, Dursa, in saying that uh, you know that's that's another guy we might go after during trade deadline again. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, yeah. like, like, like Michael was saying there. Like, the, there's sometimes there's too much emphasis on get these free agents now. Like, consider the fact that these free agents help us get to that point where we are buyers, and that's where we make our next big move. It, it, it like to me losing Clem Costin, I'm gonna miss the personality. Uh, you know, as well as I guess kind of the aggressive, feisty, and uh, sharp shooting ability that he had. But honestly, I think Bukestad uh, has a bigger impact, and, and he's going to be harder to replace. He's it's going to be a harder, harder boots to fill. Yeah, and yeah, we are hundred percent right. I mean, you don't want to, you didn't want to see Bukestad go. You didn't want to see Costin go. Yeah. No, they were but you knew that people were going. Yeah. Right? You knew that there were there were players going. Um, you hope that maybe you could do something for Costin or make him, you know, wait a year before cashing in, but these guys have short careers. If I'm yeah. Costin, I'm going and yeah. trying to get the money when I can get it. Yeah, especially after the kind of career that he's had to date, right? Where, you know, they really was given up on until he came to the Oilers. Now he's got a new lease on life. Like, cash in while you can. Because you don't know, right? You could be back in the minors next year. Do you think we're better equipped to make a a run? Oh, no. (laughs) No, actually, I don't. That's one area where... Kind of status quo. Yeah. I just don't, don't think we are. Not right now. But I don't think we need to worry about that. I I could I I will always say, you have to be in a position to be a buyer at the deadline. That's what you play this part of the regular season for. Honestly, it just, you know, it would be easier to consider the fact. Like think about this in stages, right? There's, there's you know, uh, the regular season is as we know is one season, but it's actually two, you know. It's two seasons because there's the pre-deadline and there's the post-deadline, right? And then there's the playoffs. And you need to be playing that first part so that you there's no doubt in your mind where you're going to finish the year, <laughs> right? Get it, like rack up the points so that you can make decisions early enough in this trade season that you're not overpaying, Right? And that you and that you know without a doubt, right? Like the good GMs, or well, not the good GMs. The lucky GMs have a team that's, you know, ten or fifteen points ahead, looking at a playoff spot. About two to three weeks before the trade deadline, because they can start talking to other guys, right? And maybe they can find something ahead of time, 
we all know that there's some really good deals done two to three weeks before the deadline. And you can start those conversations. You know what you're looking for. You make the deal that you need. And that's where you and you also start to know at that point, you know, well, my defense is maybe these line pairings that I thought we had that looked good last year aren't so good this year. Kulak maybe isn't as good as we thought he'd be. Um, you know, or DeHarnay didn't mature as much as we thought he would, right? Like you just, at this point, you you know, and you make those changes. Are we better equipped for the run? I The only reason I think we might be better equipped for the run is that we'll, I think they'll have a better cap picture because of the LTIR and how the cap situation is and the um, accrue, like how the salaries accrue as the year goes on. So I think they'll be in a better position to make deadline trades and, uh, you know, just the way that the salary cap works. Will we have, you know, and will will we have the, um, you know, we'll have picks and everything else that goes along with that. I, I think that we're not today. If you went into the playoffs with this team today, I think we'd probably get smoked. Um, maybe not smoked. We'd get through a round, but we'd end up in the same position we were last year. But I think they make the changes at the deadline. It's um, my thought. So when I was in grade eight, I lived in Milk River, Southern Alberta. And on Friday nights, my mom and my sister and me would make the journey to Lethbridge. And uh, it's usually Friday nights. We'd go and watch the Lethbridge Hurricanes. So I got to witness like guys like uh, Wes Walls, Corey Lyons, Kelly Enns, Brad Rubichuk, Jamie McLennan, and Dusty Emu. Um, now you live in, in Halifax and you get to watch the Mooseheads. How much are you enjoying uh, getting to watch Junior A hockey? Oh, yeah. You know, watching um, any hockey is <laughs> is good. I, I love watching, um, you know, all levels of hockey. Uh it's it's exciting, you know. I I'm you know as I've said, I'm a season ticket holder for the Mooseheads. Uh, the great thing about junior hockey is for the folks like us that care, it's accessible, right? So, meaning if you really wanted to talk to a player, you could find a way to talk to a player, right? Like, you know, you you know you want to know something about the team. Shit, send them an email and they'll send you an email back and tell you what you want to know. Try emailing Ken Holland. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, you know, start to understand. You know, you it, you get excited when certain players come to town. Right. Yeah. And you start to understand, you know, what's what's involved. It's a different it's completely different because. You don't have, you know, you don't have a team for, you know, four or five years or the core of a team for four or five years. It changes all the time. And the trade deadline, you know, doesn't make any sense because, you know, got, you got you have windows and, and you know that you know, this is your window to go for the Memorial Cup. And so you trade away your next three years worth of picks. And I mean all of them, <laughs> right? Just for the right player, for the guy that you know is going to be the one that might take you over the top. So it's not unheard of whether it's WHL anywhere in the CHL, right? That you you know you're trading three first rounders for a guy, you know your next three first rounders for a guy to hopefully get you to the promised land, right? Um, 
and and you do that understanding full well that that means in the next three years you're not going anywhere uh and then draft picks mean the world in in junior hockey because you know you you've one year of development right like you're a a first rounder in junior hockey is is a big deal right those are the guys you want and so i just i love i love the little differences and nuances in the game i uh it was lucky enough this past season to watch um, a really great Halifax Mooseheads team um, play. There was a couple of guys drafted in the third round uh, this year. One went to Vegas and, and one went to Nashville. Um, there was a first rounder from the previous season uh, in uh, in LaRue that, that it was also drafted by Nashville. Um there's uh, Jordan Dumay who uh, had who broke the uh, career points record for the Mooseheads, uh, beating, you know, like and um, you know his he he won the the scoring race in the queue uh, this year, you know, and and then the Mooseheads had, had three fifty plus goal scorers. In fact, <laughs> like it was just ridiculous. It was and and it's just a lot of fun, right? Guys have a lot of like they come to play every night because because they love it right now, right? Like they, you know, they want to be there. They, you know, that's, uh, you know, cause they know they're, they're going back to high school you know, and, <laughs> and they get to be the big, you know, kid on campus, right? Like it's just fun to watch, uh, and see, you know, how these kids develop and, and all these little things. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad you asked the question because, I love being here and and watching that. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough that I can still, you know, get on a plane and go and watch NHL hockey, not necessarily with the same frequency I did when I lived in Alberta, but, um, you know, I've, I've been, you know, you know that I'm going to be at the half dozen games every year, um, trying to watch the Oilers in different cities and stuff. Uh, and the hockey coverage, of course, for NHL is way better. <laughs> That's the downside to the queue or any, you know, CHL. If you want to, you know, watch your team, you, you know, you don't get necessarily you get streaming quality and and uh, and you don't get the announcers you want. And, you know, it's a few other things. Maybe you don't get um, like if you're if they're going to watch if you're going to watch the, your team and they're playing in Quebec City, for instance, You'll get their announcers, their English announcers, uh, who don't care about the Mooseheads, right? They care about, you know, the Ramparts, right? And so that kind of sucks. It's not like you get um, Jack Michaels and uh, and Louis DeBrusque every every week, you know. So I um, I, I do miss that. My first two years here at Edmonton, I had season tickets to the Oil Kings. And yeah. uh, and I still will see them from time to time. Probably catch a handful of games every year. And and I and I agree with you. There uh, there's a certain level of uh, purity almost to the game at that level where they're playing for the love of it. They're and they are uh, they're out there to prove themselves every every game. Like I I saw a game where the Oil Kings were beating I forget who it was, but they were beating a team nine to two. But the play didn't dictate that like, like it, it didn't it didn't yeah. seem like a 9-2 game it was so back and forth back and forth guys were going hard regardless and and i'm that hockey nerd who was just poured over the rosters 
and to see who's been drafted already by who, like who's the future uh, Nashville Predator, who's the future Montreal Canadiens, and that sort of thing. I saw Stuart Skinner play for Lethbridge, right? That sort of stuff. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's an exciting thing to watch. I'll tell you, and uh, this is not um, maybe my Nova Scotia fans will <laughs> hate me for this. Now I'm pissing off Bakersfield. Now I'm pissed off Nova <laughs> Scotia. Um, but the other thing that, uh, and I don't, I would, I would argue that even Albertans don't take enough of an advantage of, on this. Is the AJHL is a top notch junior league, like top notch. You just. <laughs> Hale McCarr played <laughs> in Brooks, right? So, so I don't uh, think I've actually told you this, Mike, but uh, what I want to do this year is actually get in, in touch with some of my local Grand Prairie Storm and have, you know, uh, get to know some of them and, and try to get them to do in-person pods with the two of us, like Bob and, and Chad as well, like yeah, kind of bring them in and... and uh, and do them live kind of so with with them um i've i haven't really been too invested in the grand prairie storm since we hosted the royal bank cup uh i i might have been like 2010 or even earlier than that um but it, it yeah i mean there's there's good players that go in and out of the agh ajhl um and you know a handful of them uh, go all the way so yeah, I mean, Alberta is, you're lucky in Alberta, right? I mean, you've got, you know, uh, the AJHL, you've got the WHL, uh, you've got, um, you know, the the uh, Max Midget Tournament in Calgary, you've got the Brick uh, Tournament in Edmonton, you've got two of the largest minor hockey weeks uh, in the world, right? It, it used to be Edmonton was the largest one. And then I think Calgary sadly has taken over, but I think they're both very close to being the largest. Um, you know, it's just there. If you want to watch good hockey, there's no shortage, right? Not to mention you got Connor McDavid and <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, but, but those are all great things. Not that, I mean, to be fair i mean you've got you know nova scotians have nothing to uh bow their head on you know it's the home of brad marchand Sidney yeah. crosby uh mckinnon uh arguably some of the best players to ever play the game right al mckinnis is from nova scotia right and um you know bob as a goalie can <laughs> fully understand the the uh you know uh, how hard it would be to play against a guy like uh, McInnes and that death bomb that he, you know, he'd shoot. Um, so yeah, there's been some good players here. So there's no lack of good talent to watch here. But just to, you know, there's any given week there's good hockey going on in Alberta, right? And um, I, you know, it's just I I miss that I would say a little bit. But I do love being in a really great junior hockey city where you know we get you know six that well we get more than they get in an arizona game let's put it that way <laughs> that so just to uh just to fact check you there just a little bit that the uh, royal bank cup in grand prix was 2004 yeah i was on the, i was on the uh i was a goalie consultant for the storm back then actually so for two seasons i worked with them with their goalies there in the grand prix storm so oh right on so it's yeah. been it's been a minute since I, since I enjoyed uh, Grand Prairie Storm hockey really, 
Uh, it's not the last time I've went and watched them, but that's really when they the last time they were you know really competitive. Um, they kind of loaded up that year when they were hosting. Um, so a little birdie told me earlier in the week that we should try to keep our shows under an hour. So we're at the fifty minute. <laughs> we're, we're, at, we're at the fifty minute mark. I've been uh, called all sorts of names this week, but that's not one that I've been called yet. Um, so uh, fantasy hockey hacks uh, has joined the yeah. network. Uh, kind of a new acquisition. Um, you want to. Uh, kind of lead some promotion tell people what they're all about uh they're all familiar yeah i mean what's not to talk about these guys are um they're awesome right and uh you know i i'll be honest uh they didn't um come to me <laughs> right like i you know i um i sought them out um so if you um if you're listening and you have uh you you subscribe to podcasts, subscribe to the Fantasy Hockey Hacks. Uh, they just they do a great job, and and um, you know it's I'm not a big fantasy hockey player, but these guys um, these guys love their hockey and they love you know fantasy hockey and and for a lot of people that's a great way to enjoy the game, right? Is to have your pools and have all of that. And, you know, there's there's only, I think, anyway, uh, a limited bit of resources out there, like good resources that will go through, you know, the players that are out there. These guys do it uh, every week. They pretty much, they put out a new episode. Uh, really easy to listen to. Um, you know, they, um, I just think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very worthwhile. And, and if you're into hockey pools, et cetera, it's going to, um, it's only going to help your, uh, help your fantasy hockey game. And then, uh, and, and I'd also, um, you know, I, I, I'd also say that, uh, between them and, and the power of the heavy hockey network, which is a bunch of great guys, um, you two included, uh, in that, um, I think that, um, you know, it's a, it's a powerful group, right? Like it just, just keeps getting better and better. And, and the one thing I love and have loved uh, so much about doing this heavy hockey network is um, how everybody uh, lifts each other up and supports each other. And, you know, um, you know, as they, as they say sometimes, right. In some cases, one plus one equals two, but in our case, I think it equals three. Uh, it's just been a really great, um, a great addition to, to us. And, and it also is, um, it's just the beginning, right? Like, you know, they won't be the last uh, group to join the Heavy Hockey Network. There will be more. Uh, and uh, between them and, and everybody, we'll, you know, we'll have, we'll just up however many guests we have and and add, add to that the cachet of being part of the Heavy Hockey Network. So really happy to have them. And uh, I'd, I'd only... Um, invite them to be a part of this if I, because I knew that uh, they're great at what they do. Right? I was pretty pumped. I was pretty pumped when I, when I heard about that because I actually was following these guys for a while. I am a bit of a, like I'm a hockey nerd and I do like the yeah. fantasy hockey element of it. I join hockey pools and all sorts of stuff like that. But, and there's so many other, there, there are a lot of resources out there on fantasy hockey. A lot of them are just bullshit. So like, yeah, yeah. 
just like two guys in a basement having beers talking about, you know, McDavid's going to score 300 points and that sort of crap. Right? <laughs> so yeah. I, I look for the educated material and, uh, and these guys are one of those guys. Uh, they do that. They, they have good analysis, uh, good conversations, you know, there's good back and forth. They really do their research. And I, yeah, it's like, I was, I'm super pumped that you, you approached them and they're a part of this group. Cause that, that is definitely a, a valuable podcast. Let's do if you're into it, fancy hockey at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything you want to promote? Anything upcoming? Any big guests coming on to the old Oilers live scene? Yeah, well, we will have, uh, I believe, anyway, although yet to be scheduled, but I have talked to him, uh, Jack Michaels, in the next uh, couple weeks. He's on vacation, so we'll let him do that. He, we all know he deserves it. Um, and we'll let him. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he'd love that comment. Uh, but uh, Jack, Jack's a great guest. He only ever joins for about a half hour, um, and that's uh, more of a self-imposed timeline because he knows he can, he could probably chat for two or three. And uh, you know, as that little birdie once said, we need to stick it to an hour. Um, but uh, Jack's, Jack's going to be a big guest. Probably the biggest thing which um, you guys know about is uh, mark it on your calendars, February twenty-fourth. Uh, is a battle of Alberta in Edmonton, uh, and we're going to do the heavy hockey showdown, and we're going to do it uh, again uh, to sponsor the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. Uh, they have some projects that they're working on. They can really use the funding. So um, the uh, some of the finer details uh, just logistically can't be um, scheduled yet. More has to do with the city of Edmonton than anybody else. Uh, but once we get those uh, scheduled, we'll get you locations and times and, and all of that. But it will be on that date. And I expect we'll probably um, expand the length of time on the ice this time to a couple hours and uh, maybe do some other activities with that. And then um, and do a, a quick silent auction event after the fact. And then hopefully a ton of us will be at the game enjoying uh the oilers uh, beat up on the calgary flames which is uh, always fun <laughs> um you kind of led me to a segue for us tomorrow uh around nine thirty when bob gets home from his uh hitting a baseball around uh angel is gonna exit the chats and be on the show with rob <laughs> with rob buzzio and uh so we look forward to chatting with angel finally got our all our uh, technical difficulties straightened away and and things will be good um pleasure having you on mr hebert and uh keep your sticks on the ice keep reaching for the stars go oilers go and we'll see you next time